When my mother was in transition, it was the most beautiful time of my life. Some of us still look at it as a very sad experience. And it was, but it was also a very beautiful experience in that we were all there for her. Welcome back to Seeing Death Clearly. I'm your host, Jill McLennan, a death doula and end-of-life coach. Here on my show, I have conversations with guests that explore the topics of death, dying, grief, and life itself. My goal is to create a space where you can challenge the ideas you might already have about these subjects. I want to encourage you to open your mind and consider perspectives beyond what you may currently believe to be true. I've had people ask how they can work with me. So before I introduce this week's guest, I'm going to briefly tell you a little bit about my work. As a death doula and end-of-life coach, I can work with people in person or virtually. Part of my work is helping people prepare mentally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally for death and dying. That could be either your death, because we all will die one day, or the death of a loved one. You could check out my website, endoflifeclarity.com, or email me, jill at endoflifeclarity.com, to learn more. In this episode, my guest is Francesca Zampaglione. Francesca has a unique perspective on death and dying as a first-generation American with parents who immigrated from Italy. The community that came to support her and her family during the time of death for both her father and her mother is something we don't really see today in our culture in the United States. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Today I have with me Francesca Zampaglione. Thank you so much for being with me. Francesca and I kind of know each other. Still haven't met in person though, right? We've just- We've not met in person. Everything's (laughs) been virtual. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been like almost three years, I think, since we've known each other. But we've only talked virtually and you live not that far from me. So one of these days that we will get it together. Right. Yes. One of these days for sure, Jill. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time out. Francesca also has her own podcast, so I know she's very busy and I'm sure she'll talk about her podcast a little as well. But we're here today to talk about death, dying, grief and living life. And so if you just want to start us off with a little bit of background information, where you're from originally, your age, anything that you want to share. Well, first of all, Jill, thank you so much for having me on your show because it's really taking off and I'm honored to be your guest today. So thank you. I'm originally from the South Jersey area. People say I have an accent, but I don't want to believe that I so grew up in the area. My parents immigrated from Italy, so I'm a first generation person and That is a whole host of things that we do differently growing up, but showed me a lot in watching their bravery and their tenacity in growing up in a world that they were unfamiliar with. So what I do initially, Jill, I used to say that I was a CPA turned stylist because I did go to school for accounting and did a bunch of things. And I transcended that now to a company called Dressed Smart. So it's a brand and image company. I work with organizations and building an onboarding strategy for companies that don't have one. And pretty much it's understanding employees as humans and embracing them initially when they come and work for you. So a lot of companies have grown very rapidly and they're just like, oh, we don't have a system. So we talk about that. And of course, I offer a lot of advice and guidance on my podcast, which is called Office Flip Flops. So it's funny because it has nothing to do with shoes because it's about flops, right? But it's really about, I offer inspiration. I have incredible guests, including you as one of them, inspiration, Mm -hmm. TEDx speakers, authors. It's a quick 
it's under 20 minutes or so. I try to keep the episodes within 20 minutes. So it's like a dopamine hit. I want people to feel good so they can listen to it in, in a typical commute if anything is typical these days. But in about 20 minutes or so, I want people to walk away energized. So I love the show. It's my heart and soul. And I love being able to share people with a positive outlook on life. So that's what I do. Yeah, Yeah. your show is really nice. I've listened to a couple episodes. And it's hard for me now because I don't have much time to listen to other people's podcasts. (laughs) Making my own takes a lot of time. Plus all the other stuff in life. But I do enjoy listening to podcasts that inspire me and make me just feel... I don't know, feel better, help me become a better person, I guess. Yep. And so when you were growing up, coming from an Italian family, I grew up around a lot of people that their family was from Italy, not that they were, but their families from Italy. And I know that there's definitely some real deep like cultural beliefs, especially around death and afterlife and, you know, all those things. So how did your family kind of deal with a lot of that? Yeah. So growing up, you know, there were a lot of ants in Italy that were black all the time. And pretty much they were in mourning from losing their spouses. And that was one of the cultural things was just wearing black for a long period of time. So when my father passed away in 2002, my mother didn't wear red. There were certain colors that she didn't wear red or any celebratory colors, if you will. She did wear black, but not for an extensive period of time. But she respected that because that's what she knows, right? So it's it's understanding. Also, I was overwhelmed by the community that my parents built. So a bunch of them that came from the same village in the southern part of Italy, it's the toe of the boot, by the way, Reggio Calabria. I was so overwhelmed, Jill, when all of my friends' parents came out of nowhere. Like I hadn't seen them in years and they're coming over with food and support and love. And that's really where I got to see this incredible experience about supporting each other. So that's what I really appreciated. And then when my mother passed away in 2015, it was much of the same. Her friends coming through, just being there for us. And I think that's really important to know that you're not alone and they're experiencing a loss as well. As great as it was for me, it's just as great as it was for their friends it here, you know, that we experienced. Yeah. The after death, what's the word that I want? Like community that comes out. It's really important. I think for us as humans to not feel alone during that time. And one of the things that I think is important as well is it really helps to bring a sense of closure because often when somebody first dies, part of us is almost like in denial. Like we're just not we're just not really fully believing yet that it's reality. And so having that support of your community and the people coming out to kind of help you get through that transition of, I can't believe this is real to, okay, this is actually my new reality moving forward is really important. And I have found that in the United States, we've lost some of that sense of community you know, yeah. people maybe come out for the funeral and the viewing, and then that's kind of it. And then everybody goes away and people are left alone. But there is still that really deep sense of community. Like when 
in Judaism when they sit Shiva, like same kind of idea, right? Of like coming together and just being there to support people. And I love that they did that for your family, you know, everybody basically coming out of the woodwork to show up and help support. It was amazing. So when my mother was in transition, it was the most beautiful time of my life because her siblings came from Italy. So she's one of four. And my aunt had never been to the United States and it had been decades since my uncles. And to see the four of them together was an overwhelmingly beautiful experience. In fact, I had no idea my uncle was a deacon and we had mass for my mother in the house. Like she was an incredibly religious woman. My mother always went to church and prayed the rosary. And just to have that experience, I will never forget it, that a priest was there and he said the ceremony in English. And then there were nuns that were there that translated it into Italian. It was amazing. So I think some of us, Jill, look at it as a very sad experience. And it was, but it was also a very beautiful experience in that we were all there for her. So that just blew my mind. And then with my father, we didn't have as long of a period until he officially transitioned. But there were just so many things that I got to see that I still think of all the time when I think of them. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I like to think that when I die, I'll have something similar, not necessarily siblings because I don't have them. But I mean, I do, but I don't really. But being surrounded by people that love me and having that ritual of like, maybe again, for me, it wouldn't necessarily be a priest and prayer, but something to kind of ritualize it. And I actually just spoke on the phone with somebody yesterday that their grandmother is transitioning right now. And they were like, I just don't know what to do. She's afraid. She's she's talking a lot. Sometimes she knows who we are. Sometimes she doesn't. And I just don't know what to do. I said, does she like music? Put on music. You know, maybe read to her. That gives us something to do. I find sometimes yeah. with I'm sitting with somebody, part of me needs something to do. I can't just sure. sit. And so yeah. I'll read. And I try to, because if it's somebody I don't know well, I'll try to read almost like children's stories, not like little, little kids, but something that's kind of neutral because I don't know somebody. I'm not going to really read like a religious text, but if somebody is religious, read poems, read a religious text, read something that kind of brings you into that experience. Yeah. Because I think part of why their grandmother was feeling so afraid is also that all the people around her were afraid. That's right. They don't know what's happening. And so- some of their body language and some of their energy is showing up very scared and it's understandable. They've never experienced the death of somebody. So I just really love that. Like in my head, I'm like visualizing what that was like for you. And it just feels beautiful. It sounds beautiful. It feels beautiful. It was, it was. So, and as you're saying that, Joe, I was thinking of, you know, when we brought my father home to the hospital, his one wish was he didn't want to die in the hospital. And he held on. I don't know how, but he held on until we brought him home. And he passed away within 12 hours of us bringing him home. But I will tell you this. On his last night, we brought in some of those relatives, right? And we played his favorite Italian music. And although he was in a coma and completely out, I I swear to you, I could see his body moving and his energy. It was like I could see him having a good time. Because that is what they did in the home that he built, 
right? He was a Mason. He built this incredible home where they would have the best New Year's party, by the way. That's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. But he loved, my parents loved having everybody over. It was his favorite thing to do. And some of those people were there. And we were just talking. Everybody was having a good time. And that's how we were able to help him feel comfortable because I know he was afraid of transitioning, but we did that. And then it was just, we felt complete with him, right? And the music did that. So thank you for bringing that up because that was a beautiful reminder of what I got to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Music is something about it, you know, even now, like fully alive, there's something about music, good and bad, right? Like if I had a negative experience and there was like a certain type of music or a certain song playing, when I hear that song nail, I'll be like, nope, I got to turn it off because it gives <laughs> yeah. my body this like feeling. Right. But right. then also really positive experiences when I hear music, it just makes my body feel really good. And right. I think at the end of life, it's important, but a lot of people don't think to turn on music. I Again, I think we're just, most of us are not sure what to do. Yeah. And so we almost like start to shut down because we're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm afraid I'm going to do it wrong. So I just don't want to do anything where yeah, you know, they're still at that point, at least they're still a person. What do they like if right. they like music? But also maybe some people don't like music, so then don't play music. But you know your person, you know what right. they would like at the end of life. And so exactly. Yeah. Go with your intuition. Yeah. No, I agree. Like we knew his favorite music. Like I said, the holidays were his favorite time, but we played that like traditional old Italian music that he knew and everyone else knew and loved. So it did really resonate. So yeah, you just, you don't know, but use your intuition, like tap into how you know this person and what they enjoyed. And like, just like that, you'll find something that you can do for him or her that they can do for you. Right. And then it ends up being a beautiful experience. Like you said, it's still sad because somebody you love is dying, but it could be a really beautiful time to spend with somebody that you love. And the more that you can incorporate ritual into it in any way, the more that you'll be able to calm yourself as well and relax and then hopefully ease some of their fears and everybody can get through it together. And look at that years later, it's been what, 20 years plus since my father died and I'm still talking about it. Like I, right. I felt whole with it then and I still do. So it's also to create memories for yourself in a good way. Yeah. Did you feel like that was not necessarily that you needed a sense of closure, but do you feel like having that experience helped to kind of close up that time in your life versus when sometimes again, people don't always feel that sense of closure. So 20 years later, they're still really feeling like I didn't have that time. I didn't have these experiences. Do you feel like that was part of it as well as that you have those positive memories now because it was almost like a closing up of that time in your life? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I would say we can't hold on to regrets in that experience that was my first major experience, right? We lost my grandmother, but I wasn't really close with her when she passed away when I was in college. You just, you don't know until you know. Yeah. And you do the best that you can. And thankfully, we had these people and angels around us, if you will, that helped me as a young person get there and understand. 
Like this is the way, this is what we do. It did help provide closure. And I think one of the biggest things I mentioned a few moments ago was his grand wish was not to die in a hospital. And I needed to respect that. Mm-hmm. So bringing him home was what I felt, I don't want to say victorious, but I felt really good that I was respecting his wish because I think we should do that. We should respect what people want in their dying days. It's their will. So let's respect that. Yeah, there was so much that I learned in that experience for sure. Yeah. Were you there when he actually died? I wasn't. I was home. Like, so we decided to just rotate who was going to stay with my mother. And it happened to be the oldest, which I think made sense that she stayed overnight. And that's when it happened. So I wasn't in in either situation for my mother or my father. I was home in both instances. And I truly believe that they decide what's best. And if, if they want people around them or not. So again, I totally respect that it happened when I wasn't there because that's the way he wanted it. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing with my mother. So yeah, just getting back to just respecting to what people want. I think that's really one of the main things that I learned here. What's interesting is when we brought him home to hospice, there was a hospice nurse there, even though he was gone within 12 hours. I learned a lot from the the hospice nurse about the other side, right? So she's like, because he kept lifting his arm up. And I'm like, here's a guy in a coma. Like, what's what's happening? And she said, listen, he has one foot in, one foot out right now. Don't tell him he can't go. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be fine because there's people waiting for him on the other side. And that was the first I had heard of anything like that. And since then, when talking with you, there there's definite a knowledge in getting to know more of what's on the other side. Yes. And sometimes I wish... I could find out for sure. Like part of me <laughs> wants to know for sure. But then the other part of me likes the mystery of it. Right. That we're not going to know for sure until we actually die. But there is a lot of common things that people experience at the end of life, including that reaching up towards the ceiling, talking to people that have been dead for, in some cases, years and years, years. and years. Yep. My grandmother, she saw... She didn't know them, but she basically described them as women that were singing to her, which made me oh, just wow. think of angels. And I was like, all right, I don't see anything, but sure. <laughs> and, you know, so there's definitely a lot of common experiences. And it's not just like it's only in the United States, like it's around the world, these types of things happen. So it's a common yeah. human experience. So it definitely leads me to believe that there is that we're half in one world, half in the other, and that there's something else that comes after this. And maybe it is just a function of the brain. Maybe as the brain shutting down, we experience these things. I don't know, but either way, it's really fascinating. And I love hearing about it. I love thinking about it. Me Uh, too. Because yeah, we're not going to know for sure. And I'm okay with that. Right, right. It is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And then since, so you were there when your father and your mother were experiencing transitioning have you ever had to experience it with like friends or even pets? Like what, what else has gone on in your world around death and dying? That was the extent of it other than, so we're talking about the other side, other than meeting people and connecting with people who have had near death experiences. Mm-hmm. I've had this fascination when I read my first book by Anita Morjani, Dying to Be Me. 
she explains her near-death experience and, you know, how she was in the hospital room and she could see her body like she was elevated and she had, I believe it's lymphoma. And so she had these horrible lumps. I can't remember how many hundreds of lumps in her body body that actually broke through. So she had an experience with the divine and her cancer healed within like two weeks. So it's, yeah. So- I've just been fascinated with people who have had that connection, Jill. And because you said what was next, it's just connecting with these people. I've interviewed somebody from my podcast. There's somebody else who I talked to who's had two near-death experiences. So it's just so interesting and fascinating to hear their stories and their experiences and how now they approach life, right? Mm -hmm. How differently they approach life and try to guide us in that respect too right? Reminding us that love is all around and not to be like unicorns and rainbows, that that's the only thing, like things are going to be tough, but knowing that there are people who are guided and just listening to their guidance really is, I guess, that next step. So yeah, yeah. I love the near-death experiences. And I don't actually have that much experience talking with a lot of people, not yet, I'm sure over time. Actually, somebody I'm interviewing tomorrow, I had a near-death experience. Yeah, right. That's I was like, wait, actually, scratch that. Tomorrow I get to have that conversation. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. I know. And it is interesting too that there's people because I do know somebody that has had two near-death experiences, but they don't really like to talk about it. It's kind of Mm -hmm. one of those things where okay, they had the experience. And I think it's just for whatever reason, they're not super comfortable talking about it because understandably people have very different reactions to it. There's some people that are super fascinated yeah, and then there's the other people that are like skeptical. And I think yeah. this person doesn't like either one of it, doesn't want the people asking a ton of questions, also doesn't want to hear that it's not real. So they yeah. kind of keep it to themselves a little bit, but I have never had one. Hopefully, actually never will, because that means I would be very close to death. But I do like to hear the stories. I've listened to other people's podcasts where they've talked about it. Yeah. And it is, again, one of those things where there's a lot of common stories about what people experience when they have them. Yeah. And I just, I find all of it really fascinating. And I always have found it fascinating. Like, no wonder I do the work that I do now. (laughs) Right. Since I was a kid. That's right. It's something that you've embraced for a long time. But yeah, I find it fascinating too. And I try to keep an open mind, right? Mm -hmm. And, And listening to what they see and respect it and learning from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. Because we, we are all connected and, It doesn't mean that it is all love and light. You know, there is definitely still going to be suffering in human existence, but there's just so much more beauty that we're just not always seeing. And it seems like when people have a near-death experience, you know, maybe it's partially that they were taught things during that experience. But also I think sometimes if you get really close to losing your life and then you don't, you probably appreciate what you have a lot more than some of us that have just lived through life and we're like tired of hearing people fight about stuff, you know? Yeah. There's a whole different perspective. Yeah. There definitely is. And I love all of it. Is there any last things you want to leave people with? Where can they find you? Your podcast, I'm sure is on all major platforms. Yes, it is. Sure. I 
we'll share this and all of this and how I know you and what we're talking about today, it does help me think about being a kinder and better person, right? When you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning every day. I consider myself a lifelong learner. And like, for me, every day is a school day. So even just sitting here with you, I appreciate and grateful for. My podcast is Office Flip Flops, and you're absolutely right. It's in all the major places, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Audible, wherever you can listen. And I even have the video portion of the podcast on my YouTube channel. So if people just look up my name, Francesca Zampaglione, they see all of my episodes, which I love. But And when you listen to the entire podcast, I always sum it up at the end with like the top three takeaways. So, you know, if you're in your car or taking a walk, it's always, like I said, energizing and uplifting if you can listen to the entire episode. But for some people, YouTube is better. I'm very active on LinkedIn as far as social media is concerned. Um, And I know you'll put that link in the show notes. And I typically post about this show and then also things related to my work and brand and image management. And if I can help you in any way, whether it's any of your listeners like getting a job and not knowing, like reach out to me. There's always a scheduling link that we can schedule a 15 minute call to see if we're a good match and see if I can help you because either people are looking for work or they need some type of guidance. I want to help people with that. And Instagram, you and I are both, we follow each other on Instagram. I also post the video clips. I usually do a a YouTube short and then post it on Instagram, just like a best moment. There are so many great moments. It's hard to just capture (laughs) one under 60, but that's another place people can look and follow. But I would love it if people would listen to the show and see if it does something for them, because I believe that you and I are both here to do the same thing, Jill, and that's just to inspire greatness, right? And that's really what I want to do. I agree. Yeah. And I will put all the links in the show notes so people can easily find you. So yeah, thank you so much for being with me today. This was great. It was nice to see you. And we'll definitely have to plan that date to get together in person sometime. To get together in person. Absolutely. Thank you, Jill. This was so enjoyable. I appreciate you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seeing Death Clearly. My guest next week is Amy Hensley. Amy is the co-creator of a company called Sips and Wishes, which aims to address the lack of accessible medical education for the general public. Amy and her partner, Erin, were initially involved in nursing and nursing education. They recognized the need for better understanding of medical topics among the public. They developed a unique concept of having parties that are designed to be relaxed and interactive gatherings held in the comfortable settings such as your home. These events blend insightful conversations about bodily systems and medical procedures with an emphasis on individual values and purposeful living. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or family member who might find it interesting. Your support in spreading the podcast is greatly appreciated. Please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a five-star review. Your positive feedback helps recommend the podcast to others. The podcast also offers a paid subscription feature that allows you to financially support 
support the show. Your contribution will help keep the podcast advertisement free. Whether your donation is large or small, every amount is valuable. I sincerely appreciate all of you for listening to the show and supporting me in any way you can. You can find a link in the show notes to subscribe to the paid monthly subscription, as well as a link to my Venmo if you prefer to make a one-time contribution. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing you in next week's episode of Seeing Death Clearly.